Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. My last church, there was a woman named Brenda Grizzle uh, that began to come to our church. And I believe God used her uh, to bring about revival in our church. And looking back, uh, she just believed that God would answer when she prayed. And uh, she put a bunch of her family members' names in the in a prayer box. We were praying for their salvation. And uh, my final service there, uh, I got to baptize her niece and her husband. Uh, and what an exciting time. There was a whole pew of people that Brenda had been praying for sitting there in the service. And she was back there just weeping like a baby. I mean, God just had worked. And uh, not just in her family, but God worked in our church. And, and he brought about a difference and a change. You know, we serve a God who can intervene in the circumstances of men. Do you believe that? Uh, and God uh, changed some things uh, around there, changed some things in our lives. Uh, and I believe God wants to make a difference in each and every person's life. Um, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, God wants to make a difference in your life. He wants you to experience his forgiveness. Uh, if you're here today and you know Jesus, he still wants to make a difference in your life. He wants to continue to make a difference. And uh, we need the work that he does in our lives. Uh, Paul is writing uh, to a group of folks who are going through some difficult times. And he's sharing with them some of the struggles that he's had and the suffering that he's going through. Uh, But here he's going to talk about uh, the ministry that he has as a minister of the gospel and that every Christian has to reach people for Jesus Christ. And he's going to talk about the message that he shares and about God's work through that message and what that message accomplishes in the lives of the people. We call this message the gospel. It means the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, many of you know that Jesus died for our sin, and he paid the price for our sin, and paid that price in full, every sin, past, present, future, paid for in full on the cross. And then he rose from the dead. Uh, But the Bible also teaches us not only that we respond to that by, by faith or trust in Christ and repentance from our sin, um, but that the gospel, when we believe it, accomplishes some things in our lives. And there's a change that takes place. And there's some things in heaven that take place when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. As you understand these things, I believe it will help you be a better Christian. Uh, it will give you freedom in your walk with Christ. And if you don't know Christ, it can help you come to Christ as you realize what God has done for you. Uh, The title of my message is The Difference Jesus Makes. Each one of us needs to uh, put our trust in Christ, to repent of our sin, and to share Christ with other people. The difference Jesus makes. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 11. Therefore, because we know the fear of the Lord, we seek to persuade people. We are completely open before God, and I hope we are completely open to your conscience as well. 
We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you may have a reply for those who take pride in the outward appearance rather than in the heart. You see, many uh, look at the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And Paul had some opponents that were talking about the outward appearance. Verse 13, For if we are out of our minds, it is for God. If we have a sound mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way or outward way. Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, we, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Certain that God is appealing through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The difference Jesus makes. How does Jesus make a difference in our lives when we trust him? Well, the first thing I want you to see is that he changes us. Jesus changes us. He he says in verse 14, Christ's love compels us since we've reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. What does he mean by that? Well, the Bible speaks about the fact that when you put your trust in Jesus Christ... You are placed in Christ, spiritually speaking, okay? So that when Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sin, it was as though you died. It was as though you paid the price. Have you heard the law of double jeopardy? Uh, if, If you get tried for murder and you get acquitted, you can't be retried for the same case. Um. Think of it in this terms. Uh, Because Jesus died for my sin and I have been placed in Christ, what has happened is that when Jesus died, I died. The sentence and the penalty for my sin has already been carried out. So that now I don't have to worry about the just penalty for my sin because I put my trust in Christ. Um, And then he says... Not only did we die with him, but we live with him. Verse 15, he says, He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So he brings us to life. Skip down to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Years ago, God spoke into the nothingness and said, let there be light. And there was light. Some of you may not believe 
that God is creator. But can I tell you something? That makes the most sense, that God is creator. We see the the glory of God's creation. We see the fine-tuning of the universe. And all of the things that God has done, the information in human DNA, and it just speaks to the glory of God that there has to be a designer. There has to be one who has put all this together. God spoke, and creation took place. God spoke and the animals were created. God spoke and the oceans were created. God spoke and the plants and the tree lives were created. God spoke on the sixth day. Everything else was good, but on the sixth day, God made man. And he said, it is very good. Let's make man in the image of God. So, every human being has dignity because God has created each human being in the image of God. But God's work of creation did not stop there. Every time a person puts their trust in Jesus Christ, God speaks into the life of that person. And there is a spiritual birth that takes place. A new creation. I remember when I, when I first held my kids, and they, what a miracle of God. A new baby, a new birth, uh, and uh, all the excitement and the potential and, uh, that comes with, with having uh, uh, new children. and uh, What a wonderful thing, a wonderful blessing from God. But did you know that every time a person trusts in Christ, they are born again spiritually? They're changed from the inside out. That's why Paul says we don't look at people outwardly. We, we, we look at... At people underneath. And we look to see the difference that Jesus Christ can make in a person's heart. I praise God for the difference that Jesus made in my heart. Um, I remember as an 11-year-old boy hearing a message about repentance. And I realized that I had not surrendered my heart to Christ. And, and received that gift of salvation. And. And uh, I was under conviction, and I struggled with it for about a year. And finally, I came to the place, with the help of Christ, to, to bow the knee to Jesus and just to say, Lord, I surrender to you, and I put my trust in you. And God changed me. He gave me a new set of desires. He, he The songs that we sang today... Can I tell you something? I, I was just, my heart was full as I sang this morning, but that wasn't the case before I knew Christ. Everything took on a new, a new meaning for me in church because for the first time I knew the person that I was singing about. He made a difference in me. He washed my heart. Matter of fact, a few days later, you know, I, I was raised in church. My daddy was a preacher, okay? So I knew how to turn it on and turn it off. You know what I'm saying? And so I would turn off the profanity when I went home. But at school, I spoke like everyone else. And, and I remember about three days after I came to Christ, one of my buddies says, why hadn't you been cussing? I hadn't heard you cuss in three days. And I told him, Jesus Christ changed my heart. I want to honor him. 
You see, Christ changes us. It's not that we're perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm far from it, okay? But I want you to know something. Jesus Christ can change you. He can make a difference in your life. And it's not that you've got to reform yourself or somehow get your act together to come to Jesus. God wants to extend His grace to you and change you. You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by God's grace so that you will have a desire to do the things that God wants you to do. It's a new creation. Change from the inside out. That's how Jesus makes a difference. He changes us. Jesus changes us. Secondly, Jesus reconciles us. This is a great word. Reconciles us. By the way, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were involved in the process. Look at verse 18. Everything is from God who reconciled us. The scripture says in in the book of John that we are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. So you see, it's the Father, it's the Son, it's the Holy Spirit. God was in Christ reconciling us to himself. Kind of like a triangle. You got three points on a triangle, three distinct personalities, persons in the Trinity, but one God, just like they're in one triangle. God is unified in his purpose of saving sinners. I'm so glad. Uh, Jesus reconciles us. What does it mean to be reconciled? Well, it, it implies that there's an alienation that has taken place. Some of you may have gotten in a fight with a family member at the holidays. I hope not, okay? But maybe you did. There's an alienation that takes place, right? Maybe, hopefully, this is not the case, okay? I'm not encouraging this. I hope that we're told to forgive, okay? But just, just move with me here. Uh, suppose you don't speak to one another for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks. Maybe someone for years you haven't spoken to. There's an alienation that takes place. Now, that's not God's best. God wants us to be reconciled with each other. But can I tell you, if two human beings can be at odds with each other like that over usually a relatively minor thing, How much more God, who is perfect and holy and righteous, who hates sin. Did you know God is not neutral towards sin? God hates it. He despises it. It, Sin makes him mad. Have you ever watched a newscast and you see something, maybe something that's happened to a kid or something, and you just start to get angry? I, I, I have. I thought, I can't believe somebody would do that. And... When you think of God, who is perfect in holiness, spotless, pure, and he looks at sin. Did you know that's why on the cross Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because all of our sin and all its ugliness was placed upon him at that moment. And God the Father, hating sin, turned his back in disgust. And Jesus, for the first time in all eternity, experienced what it meant to be lonely and separated 
in relationship from his father. So our sin has separated us from God. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. The scripture says that God will not acquit the guilty. And we're going to talk about that here in a moment. Uh, But there was a serious problem between us and God, and that problem is called sin. And so, in order for anyone to have a relationship with God, we can't get our, just get our act together because God hates our sin, and our sin is a stain upon us. Um, we, we, we need Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life. He's the only person to ever not sin one time. Most of us, if we're honest, sin several times a day, at least, okay? Even, even the, you know... You begin to think, talk about sins of speech. You ever call somebody an idiot on the highway? I resemble that remark, okay? I'll just be honest. Did you know the scripture says if you call somebody an idiot, you're in danger of hellfire? True. In Jesus, actually the words of Jesus. Uh, you look with lust, you sin. You, you, uh, you covet something. That someone else has sin. Okay, there's so many th- so many ways that we can sin against God. It's hard to even keep track of them. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But of Jesus, it says He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. You know what God's standard is? Absolute perfection. Jesus said at the end of Matthew chapter 5, be perfect as your Father in heaven's perfect. And none of us are. We need Jesus. Our sin separates us from God. If, you're, if you don't know Christ today, your sin has separated you from God. You can't have a relationship with God because your sin is a barrier between you and God. But Jesus Christ came to remove the barrier. And on the cross, he took our sin upon himself and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the scripture says he did that so that we could know eternal life. And this is eternal life that you may know the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, whom he has has sent. Jesus paid the price on the cross so we could be reconciled to God. And um, the scripture says something very interesting in the book of Matthew. The Jews had this, this system, it was called the tabernacle, and there were veils at each entrance of the tabernacle, and there was a veil to the courtyard, and uh, all the worshipers of Israel would come in there with their sacrifices to offer, and, uh, but it was a barrier that they had to go through. Uh, but then the second barrier into the holy place, only the priests could enter. The third barrier, only the high priest could enter. And he could only enter there once a year with the blood of sacrifice and with the incense burning to hide the presence of God from him. They would tie a rope around his ankle because if God struck him dead for sin or because he hadn't fulfilled the the regulation for entering in, they were not going to go in there after him. They were going to pull him out. And so there was, this, there was this great sense of fear as they would enter into the presence of God. 
Later on, they built the temple, and they had that same veil over the Holy of Holies where the high priest would go. And the Scripture says that that was the only veil uh, at that time when Jesus died. But the Scripture says when Jesus says, It is finished. The veil of the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom. What was God saying as he supernaturally ripped that veil? He was saying, no longer is there a barrier between you and God. My son has made a way for you to have access. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter the stain of your sin. God says, my son has paid the price for you to be reconciled. The Bible says that when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, he adopts you into his very family. and You become one of his. You're reconciled. You can pray. Isn't it a wonderful thing? I don't need to go to a priest to pray. I don't need to have somebody else confess my sin. Uh, I can go directly to God. Why? Because Jesus has made a way. As a child of God, I have access to God. The times of worship that we enjoy his presence, it's only possible because of the reconciling work of Jesus Christ. The sweetness that you have in your quiet time with God when God speaks to your heart through his word or when you pray and you're worshiping and God comes down, that is because of the work of Jesus Christ. It could happen no other way. The scripture says your sins have separated you from your God. So we need that. So as a child of God, once you become a child of God, you have put your trust in Jesus and received the gift of eternal life. You can never again fail to be his child. You can mess up fellowship. You can confess that sin to God and have that fellowship restored. But you'll never see. It's kind of like being married. You have a fight, right, when you're married? Y'all don't have fights, do you? Uh, You have a fight, and... And there's a barrier. But then once you make up, the fellowship's sweet again, right? That's what confession is. It's making up. But you never cease to be married once you have made that commitment. So uh, it's it's the same thing with God. Uh, so, So that fellowship with God has been purchased for us by Jesus Christ at Calvary. Hallelujah. I could I could go on talking about that, but I need to move on. Jesus changes us. Jesus reconciles us. Thirdly, Jesus justifies us. He justifies us. Look at 21, verse 21. He made the one who did not know sin. Who was that? Jesus. He's the only one who ever didn't know sin. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us. When God placed that sin upon Jesus at the cross, Jesus became my sin, and experience the judgment of God for it. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when God forgives me of my sin, what he does is he places, just as he placed my sin upon Jesus on the cross, he places Jesus' righteousness on me. 
And it's like wearing a garment. Zechariah 3 says that Jesus placed a shining robe of righteousness upon Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. When I was a teenager, uh, we had some friends who were, who were kind of wealthy. And um, their son had outgrown a lot of his clothes. And, and so they brought him over and gave him to me. I was a little bit younger than he was. Some of them hadn't even been worn. They were designed, they still had the tags on them. I was so excited, you know. I just went to school, you know, and nice clothes. And, and uh, uh, how, why could I do that? Because they paid the price for me to wear that clothing. That's what Jesus did. On the cross, he, he made it possible for us to wear his clothing. And that clothing is righteousness, perfect, spotless righteousness. Why can I be reconciled to God? For one reason and one reason only. He has clothed me in the perfect righteousness of Jesus. His perfect purity, his perfect goodness, his perfect rightness, righteousness. That's what righteousness is. And so that when I come into the presence of God, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. On me. Isn't that wonderful? It's what justification is about. We're clothed in the righteousness of, of Christ. It also means to be acquitted of sin. God is just, and so uh, to be acquitted of sin, the just penalty must be carried out. And of course, Christ did that on the cross so that we could be declared justified. Justified is the opposite of condemned. It's kind of like in our courts, we say guilty or not guilty, right? Uh, guilty would be condemned, not guilty would be justified. I can have the not guilty verdict upon my life, not because I'm not guilty, but because Christ is not guilty, and it's been credited to me. And I'm clothed in his righteousness. Isn't that a wonderful thought? So, I'm not going to have to worry about my sin when I one day meet Jesus because it's been taken care of. The justice of God has been satisfied. So Jesus changes us. Jesus reconciles us. Jesus justifies us. And finally, Jesus sends us. He sends us. Now, we've been talking about the wonderful benefits of salvation. Praise God for it. Um, If you don't know him, you need to trust him. You need to choose to turn from your sin and receive the gift of eternal life. Uh, But if you know him, you need to tell other people about him. He sends us. Jesus sends us. Look at verse 18b. Well, just look at verse 18. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What a miracle to be able to be a part of God being reconciled to a sinner. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, and then it says he speaks through us as we share. Look at verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. Did you know you always have a partner when you share in Christ, and that is the Lord? 
And he will speak through you to others. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The difference Jesus makes, how does he make that difference? Well, he, he changes us, he, he reconciles us, he justifies us, but he also sends us. Did you know that God wants to make a difference in the lives of other people through you? Isn't that amazing? Through me. Who would have thought? One of the wonderful things about being a child of God is we get to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation. And we're going to give you some opportunities to be trained. Share your faith seminars coming up in just a little while. You can learn how to share your faith with other people in a, in a simple, non-offensive way. Um, we're going to have everyday evangelism. You have an opportunity to go out and see how others share Christ and to uh, then eventually participate yourself. You can learn how to do it. Now, here's the thing. Ultimately, it's a work of God. You can learn all these things, but God speaks through you to other people. So I want to encourage you, as a child of God, if you know Christ, let somebody else know about him. I heard uh, Greg Laurie share, he said that uh, he had never shared Christ with anybody. He, he was a new Christian, and uh, he, he had found this track at church to tell how to be saved, and he... Uh, was talking to this lady on the beach. He, he lived at the beach, and, and he said, uh, would you like to hear how you can have a relationship with Jesus? And she said, well, yes. And so he read through the track with her. Just, he said, I didn't, I didn't embellish. He said, I didn't give extra comments. He said, I just read it. And he said, I got to the place where it asked the question, would you like to receive Jesus now? He said, I asked her that question, and she said, yes, I would. He said, I about fell over. See, what, what had happened there? It wasn't his eloquence. It wasn't that he had this great technique and he was just a super Christian. Uh, he just shared the message. And there was power in the message. And the Holy Spirit of God came down and spoke through him. And he prayed with that lady. And she gave her heart to Christ and was never the same. I want to tell you something. We get, to, we get to be a part of that. You ever thought about that? It's a, it's a privilege. Jesus wants to make a difference through you. How would you like to make 2015 a special year? Did you know I've heard the statistic? I think it's less than 3% of Christians have ever shared their faith. Can I tell you something? Don't let the preacher have all the fun. <laughs> Get involved yourself. And see what God will do through you. There's a scripture that says, It's not many mighty that God called, or many wise, many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And the things that are not to confound the things that are. So that no flesh may glory in his presence. You know what that tells me? God likes to use people who are weak and unable because it glorifies him. Do you qualify? Let Jesus 
use you in this coming year. How does, how does Jesus make a difference in us? He chooses us and changes us, reconciles us, justifies us, and sends us. Uh, would you be willing to let Jesus do his work in you and through you for his glory? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your great message of the gospel. Thank you that you have changed and reconciled and justified those of us who put our trust in Christ. And thank you that you're willing to do that for us.